along with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. With me, all the way from the other side of the pond, in the land of the Red Dragon, is Mr. Parascience, the gold standard in ghost hunting, Stephen Parsons. Good afternoon. What, what happened to the 27 cents that you were, thought you were changing your name? Nah, I changed it. Changed it back again? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I, I got a lot of... Uh, hmm. What, complaints about being expensive? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. People too don't pricey. think I'm worth that much. Yeah, too pricey. It's a capitalist buyer's market now, you know. If you'd have gone to 20 cents. You think that's what it is? Yeah, try it. All right, maybe. What were you? Uh, 35 pence. Mm. So, anyway. Well, welcome to Ghost Chronicles International, right here on Tojanet, Pararex, Planet Paranormal, Ghost Channel, TuneIn, iTunes, wherever else. Ghostbox. Hey. Guess what? I saw another deer today when I was coming back from the club. So there you go. I don't know. Every, tu- Do you have a- every, every Tuesday I see a deer. Is there anything significant about that? I don't is know. Tues- is Tuesday deer day in, in Massachusetts? No, no, not at all. No, no. See a deer day? No idea day? No, no idea. Deer. So, anyways, <laughs> hey. yeah, I know. So, anyways, we hear lots of stories, uh, Stephen, about places that are haunted, right? We do. And a lot of places, especially businesses, like their pronounce their uh, their hauntedicity, right? Correct. Uh, correct. I have no idea what you just said because Skype dropped out for a second. Okay, fine. Just say correct and you're fine. You correct. Know, it's, Absolutely it's, correct. It's like, being, it's like being married. Whatever your wife says, yep. yep, yeah. yep. You're entirely you're, correct. Yep, Whatever yep, you say. So anyways, I, I read across this article, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, it says here, the Strawberry Hill Museum is not a haunted house. It is brought to our attention, it is brought to the attention of the museum that several public organizations on the occasion and during the Halloween season added us to their ghost tour agenda. The museum does not honor tickets from these events or support these tours in any way. It is the official position of the museum that there are no ghosts or paranormal activities occurring at the museum. The Strawberry Hill Museum is not a haunted house. We are also aware there are many stories being written on the internet. No, really? Related to paranormal activity at the museum. It is the museum's position that these stories circulating around the internet are either unauthorized, fabricated lies, or the unsupported position of those not associated with the museum. 
Please help us with stop these unsubstantiated rumors and spread the word that the museum dedicated to the promotion, sponsorship, and preservation of ethnic heritage prevalent in Kansas and Kansas City is not haunted. Just sounds like denial to me. They're obviously are haunted, <laughs> but they're 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 they're, uh, they're just in denial. I mean, you know, what do they know? Psychics go along there, pick up on spirits. Obviously, the place is haunted. It's like Houdini. I mean, he was clearly, clearly a psychic of, of some renown, um, but just, you know, clearly in denial. Hmm. I don't know. I, I thought that... Apparently. You, you really don't see that, but, you know, it does bring, it does bring some good points up. And, you know, there are, there are so many people out there nowadays in, in the UK and also in the US that have their own groups and do investigating and do tours and conventions of course and have t-shirts and stuff and um, they go around you know saying places are haunted or not haunted I wonder if there, are, are there is there a legal response to this if you don't believe like the Strawberry Hill doesn't believe their museum is haunted well, I don't think there's any. I think there's a legal uh, recourse in that if people are continuing to say things that are in, infringing upon your business or your or, uh, your you know intellectual property, mm-hmm. then I think you would have recourse that way, possibly. Um, but you know, over here in the UK, many many years ago, we had paranormal teams who would go on an investigation, albeit they were invited or. And it was an organized night, and they would issue a certificate to the location to confirm it's haunted. Really? Um, which, the, which the location could, if they chose, proudly display up on the wall above the bar or wherever else they chose to display it, um, you know, perhaps above one of the urinals. Interesting. Perhaps in, inside one of the urinals, if I had had my way. But, that would be um, urinal in the U.S., but that's okay. That would be urinal, yeah, because you, yeah, aluminium. We, we, uh, um yeah, um, but yeah, over here, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of, uh, you, you know of Leslie Smith, the historian from Most Haunted, and also the curator yeah. of Tuckbury Castle. Well, a well week I or did so. not know she was the curator of Tuckbury Castle. So yeah, um, she, uh, about a week ago, uh, she made a very public announcement that henceforth all ghost hunting would cease at Tuckbury Castle no. uh, for, forevermore. Because she said that uh, I can't quote her directly, but she said there was you know ghost hunters who do it scientifically, those who do it for fun, and the third way, which she felt was bringing things into disrepute, and henceforth and forevermore, and she would write it into the uh, terms of any uh, successors that ghost hunting would not take place at Tuckbury Castle. No way. Way. What is so, the third way? What is the third way? Uh, well, we can only assume. I think there was a veiled reference there to um, either the, the sort of the more fringe element of the of the hobby or perhaps the the pursuit of demons and things evil. Maybe oh. that was what she was And I think, you know, Tuckbury does have a ghost. Um, Leslie has spoken about it openly on missions and has freely allowed ghosting, well not freely, but you know, fr- uh, freely allowed of the time 
of the castle to uh, accommodate ghost investigations. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for many years, um, I myself have been and investigated the ghosts of Tutbury Castle. But really? non- nonetheless, something has changed that has led to Leslie making this decision. And I, for one, am supportive because I can understand her position, you know, as a as a business, as an educator. Because well, does she own Tudsby Castle? No, she doesn't own it, but she 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 is the managing curator. Um, oh, okay. So, uh, is it a museum? It, it, it's a kind of museum. It's also a public space that that's used for weddings and functions, but it serves oh, primarily as an educational role and as a tourist. Um, location and I, I think perhaps either the ghosts have become too prominent or, or perhaps some elements within the ghost hunting community have, have maybe gone a little too far um, and I think understandably Leslie has drawn a line That is interesting Now I, I know we're going to talk about ghost ships and, and we have time to do that and I, I like that subject too so that's be kind of cool but um, what about you know the responsibility of the mediums you know i mean especially in a ghost hunt now if 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 some medium goes into a ghost hunt and goes to a a private location or a public location and and says okay the spirit here was a pervert he uh he, you know he attacked little girls or boys or whatever and that person is no longer alive, but yet there are family members alive, and, and there's no absolutely evidence that uh, this is true. I mean, what recourse do the relatives have? And, and, and morally and ethically, is, is, is she you know, able to say that? Well, they are able to say it, but morally and ethically, I think, Everybody, uh, mediums or skeptics alike, would agree that being crossed there, that we have to take into consideration the feelings of the living. Um, even but if do we do we? I mean, no, uh, they don't. No, no, a lot of them don't. And in fact, that also holds true in the media as well, because on many of the television programs, the medium talks freely about spirits that existed or are haunting a location. Um, Lizzie Borden in America, they talk about the, uh, the, the murder. They talk about uh, locations in the UK where, where crimes or tragedies have taken place. But there are living ancestors, uh, live, sorry, living descendants of the people that were there. Now, it may be several generations past, but even so, that doesn't mean to say that, that, uh, that it's necessarily done with, with due care. Um, there's also some questions to be asked about about battlefield investigations, particularly, I mean, here in the UK, we haven't had a battle on English soil since 1745. But I know in America, you've had battles much more recently in the 1860s with the Civil War. Um, and there are, you're only talking, you know, three or four generations back in many cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet these investigators go to these places and they... they uh, the mediums conjure up images and uh, messages from from the deceased, apparently, and uh, some of them, you know, they can be quite hurtful. Um, I would say to the living, it's the same also with with also looking at graveyards. 
you know, there there are investigators who think that that's unethical, also. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, they're uh, the same with graveyard investigations, right? I mean, people walking on other yeah. people's graves and so forth, and uh, some people well, think gra- that is is desecration in reality. Well, a graveyard, I think, is a place where we pay, pay our respects to the dead. Um, I, for one, don't really understand why the why spirits would haunt a graveyard. Um, I know that they are popular places, and I know I, I like to visit graveyards, but not from a paranormal sense, but from a historical sense. Um, I don't really understand why people go to graveyards at night and look for ghosts, because I don't think that's... It, it flies in the face of what they tell it, what, what the mediums tell us anyway, that the, that the spirits like to, in effect, haunt the living and haunt the places that they knew in life. And the one place that you can guarantee that they wouldn't have known in life is the place where they're buried in death. Exactly. So that I mean, would be are... the least likely place to find the, the ghost. Uh, well, it, it, it is and it isn't. Um, th- there may be uh, an attachment to one's uh, corporal body, uh, so that may be a reason why the graveyards are believed to be haunted. In other words, you know, you had your body all your life and you just don't want to give it up because that's your last uh, vestige of your, you know, corporal living. There are investigators who visited crematoria as well. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that one falls apart there. Um, no, it doesn't really in that your dust is still there. So it's still part of you, uh, part of whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is the paranormal, isn't it? Tentious in many areas and many aspects of it. There are investigators who have broken into properties, uh, abandoned properties, uh, because they they claim that they have a right to investigate. And I know that's been reported in the media, both sides of the Atlantic. They have a that, right to investigate. That that has been their claim that they have a right um, because. They are, you know, serious investors. Like ufologists have a claim a right to break into military bases or to put military bases under surveillance mm-hmm. because it's in the it's in the public interest. Then ghost hunters have used the same argument um, that they have a right as investigators to access these abandoned places which are locked and barred um, in order to find out, pursue their their hobby. Um, and in fact, in some cases, they've been injured and hurt. Oh, absolutely. In the, in the process. And, and I've got no sympathy for them. If there was a group, you know, I, occasionally you do see on the, I feel sorry for the individual. Well, I feel sorry for their families. Mm-hmm. Um, but if somebody's foolish enough to go into a railway, a railway tunnel and get run over by a train um, or go crawling about an abandoned building and it falls on top of them, um, then they have only themselves to blame. Yeah, I guess, but um, yeah, it's true. I mean, we we had a a tragic uh, uh, accident here in Lowell in the abandoned mills, where uh, some urban uh, the, the, there's this urban uh, yeah we have it here with, too yeah uh, so that one of them actually you know fell to a hole in the floor and was uh, badly injured if not killed. I can't remember the exact outcome. So. Yeah, I mean, people climb mountains and they fall off, people skydive and they get injured. Exactly, uh, and, exactly. And they are tragedies, but they're not 
in, in, it's, it's something they choose to do as well. It's something that they choose to do. Now, if somebody chooses to break into a place that's locked and barred because they want to pursue their hobby um, and they get injured in the process, then it's a huge tragedy for their families. But for the person involved, then I think that's a risk that they have to accept. Um, and I know it sounds extremely callous, because I'm sure nobody wishes harm on anybody else, least oh, of absolutely. all me. Right. But at the same time, if you're dumbing to a building or, or, or you know, jump off a, a tall building with a parachute and you get hurt, then, you know, tough luck, guys. You've, you've, you, know, you, you did it. It's your risk. Sometimes it goes wrong. Absolutely. So anyways, that's our little spiel about uh, ethical yeah. ghost hunting, I guess. Yeah. Well, so, anyways, it, it do you know anything about? On and on. Yeah, I, I know. Do you anything, know anything about ghost ships? A little. We have a we have a, haunt, a very famous tale of a haunted ship located at Pembroke Dock, uh, Milford Haven, which is where I live. Um, HMS Asp, ASP, uh, after oh. the snake. Which uh-huh. is, I just I, rather than me tell the story, it is so, so, so famous. If people just Google HMS app and ghost, they will get why the story. Give, why don't you give uh, us a quick, synop- quick synopsis, anyways? Just a quick synopsis. Steve? 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 Oh, died on us. Uh, put into Milford Haven, which was a royal well, dockyard at Steven, the time. Stephen, Stephen. You totally died at me. I didn't hear a word you said for the last 10 minutes. Okay. The captain so, and crew... Can you hear me now? One, yes, two, three, four. Yeah. Yep, the yep. captain and crew of HMS, Her Majesty's Warship Asp, had put into Milford Haven after a number of incidents on board. And um, whilst in the haven, whilst moored up at the Royal Dockyards, they, uh, a, a figure of a lady was sighted leaving the ship. Um, and a number of events took place on the ship that were very well documented at the time by the commander and the crew of Her Majesty's warship Asp. So there, that's a synopsis. Without spoiling the story for anybody who wants to read it, that was pretty synopsible. It was, mm-hmm. but it was a, it was a, it was a very. It's the the fact that it was so well documented. Um, and there are there are you know lots and lots of reports online that people can access and get the fuller picture. But uh, I just didn't want to spoil the story too much. Okay, but of are. course, the most famous the most famous ghost ship of all has to be the Flying Dutchman. The Dutchman. The, the Flying, flying Dutchman, Dutchman right? as opposed which to the is, Flying Scotchman. Which is in my my book uh, Ghost of Day, by the way, and uh, which is in the book I have open in front. Uh, well, I have. You still with us? I am still with. Okay, so this will be interesting I am because very much. I have uh, it's in my book. Uh, Goes today, and you have it in another book. What's the name of your book? I have it in. Uh, let me just Mysteries of the Sea by J. G. Lockhart, published in 1913. Ooh, that's a good one. And mine oh. is, of course, Goes today. Uh, 365 True Tales of Spectral, Supernatural, and Just Plain Scary by myself and Maureen Wood. All right, so I'm, I'm interested to see how I'm, I'm sure that these two stories will not be the same. Well, there is no two versions of the Flying Dutchman story that are the same, are there? 
There are uh, many different versions. Well, I, have I mean, we official, have. I have the official version. <laughs> well, you know, we have. Uh, var, uh, we we have lots of different versions of of the Flying Dutchman story itself. Um, okay, so let's start off. You know, let's start sh- off with the time period. What time period? Uh, well, the time period tends to be uh, in the. I'm just flicking through to get all of the different time periods. Mm-hmm. Uh, e- even the name of the captain changes in different accounts as well. Um, but we're talking about the 19th century, aren't we? We're talking about. 1641. Well, again, we've got versions going into the 19th century. Um, right, so mine predates it. Your, well, your version predates mm-hmm. a, a, a different version, absolutely. And a Dutch captain by uh, Hendrik van der Decken. What do you have? That's what. Well, that's what we do agree on. <laughs> hey! The hero, the hero of the first account is a Dutchman who lived in the 17th century, and here his name is, his name is given as Bernard Fock, a reckless and daring seaman who cased his masts with iron to enable him to carry sail. He was supposed to have made a pact with the devil. Okay. Uh... During the voy- one of his voyages, he disappeared. And it is believed that Satan had at last taken him thereafter. His spectral ship may be seen between the capes of Good Hope and the Horn. Mm-hmm. Actually, mine of the world, but that's another story. And we got another version, which is the American version, uh, which was recorded by Washington Irving in you his Chronicles, uh, Chronicles of Wolfert's Roost. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's yet another different version of it. Do you have a mutiny on yours? Uh, there's a mutiny in some versions of it. Um, uh, according to my, the devil it says, a pact had been made with the devil. According to my, uh, Van der Decken was uh, attempting to go around the Cape of Good Hope when a brutal storm arose. Gales howled, thunderous waves pounded the ship. The crew pleaded for him to turn back, ignoring the cries. He pressed on, gripped by fear. The crew mutinied. Hendrick murdered the leader of the mutineers and tossed him overboard. Just then, a dark silhouette of a man appeared and rebuked him. Van Decken drew his pistol and fired at the spectral visitor, but to no avail. The phantom raised his head and glared at the captain, then spoke. See, they even have the words. Uh, For your deeds, you are condemned to sail the oceans for eternity with a crew of soulless men bringing death to all spy upon your spectral ship and you will never know a moment's peace so there you go oh i like my i've got 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 a different name for the captain here as well rambo van yeah rambo it's a good one actually rambo Rambo. van dam rambo van dam that's hollywood and he he was roistering uh he was a roistering dutchman of sp- uh, who spite Are there any the other kinds? Uh, he spite the devil and navigated his ship alone one Saturday, the whole length of the Tappan Sea, to attend a quick at Kakiat on the western shore. Here he danced and drank until midnight when he entered his boat to return home. Uh, he also had a fight with the devil and disappeared. Um, and this is called the Flying Dutchman of the Tapan Sea, between Kakiat and Spiting Devil until the Day of Judgment. Now, there are dozens of versions of it. We've got them in French, however, uh, French, German, Spanish, Irish, Cornish, 
Scottish-Canadian. However, that which means there must be truth to it. However, However. The, in the 1881, the HMS Bocanchi uh, actually yeah. saw that it was a cover, a cover, Corvette, 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 right? Corvette. Corvette. Yep. And you know who was, on, and you know who was on the Corvette? No. Prince George, the future king of England. In his own diary, he oh, reported. Well, see, what? Yes, that's that's perfectly true. That's that's it. Right, go that's, ahead. I will yield no, to you a, because you're a Brit. That is a historical fact. Moreover, our our current uh, Prince Edward was filming a TV uh, documentary about the Royal Navy. Also claims to have taken video footage of a phantom ship. Really? Uh, that was about um, around about 20, 15, 20 years ago. So maybe there's a royal connection. Hmm. The early, um, I found a very early ghost ship um, that we can ch- briefly mention. Um, during the, em- the, the reign of the Roman Emperor Justinian, when a plague attacked oh, Europe, that is phantom, phantom ships with crews of black and headless men were seen laying off infected ports. And finally, the story vanishes uh, in a cloud of early Christian, Hindu, Norse and Russian legends. So, <clears throat> as long as men have been sailing the seas. But you have a very interesting one from you. I do. I'm sure you know of it. The Palatine. Uh, the Palatine. The lights of the Palatine. Yeah, uh, that, actually occurred, that actually occurred around Christmas uh, of... Um, I have that in my book somewhere as well. But, uh, yeah, it occurred around the Cape around Christmas. And... Um, you ever hear of moon curses? Uh, I'm not sure quite what you mean. Uh, I may be messing it up, as I usually do, but basically uh, the ships would uh, navigate to lighthouses and so forth. Mm-hmm. So the moon, moon curses would uh, put false lights up. And ah, we, the we, yeah, ships, we have them here. The ships would go aground and then they would loot them. Uh, and they were called moon curses, and I, I may have the name wrong, but it's the, the gist of it is the same, is that they would curse the moon because uh, it would light up the night, and therefore they would their ruse would be found. So that's For our, Brit- for our British listeners, uh, what Ron is referring to here in the UK are called wreckers, and they would also use false lights on, on cliffs and headlands and draw in hapless ships to be wrecked upon the coast and then plundered. Um, but there's... There's actually, um, uh, I have a copy of a book called New England Legends and Folklore, um, which has got, a, a, there's a poem about the Palatine, isn't there? Yeah. A very uh, famous poem by Whittier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it's uh, dated, I think, is it eight, around about 1811, that, that story? The current version of the wreck of the Palatine provoked the liveliest indignation in a Mr. Livermore, the historian of Block Island, who complained that his barbarous work is here charged upon a little population as of pure mortals ever adorned any part of Puritan New England. There's our music, so we have to take a break. Anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles uh, International with uh, Steve Parsons and Ron Collett right here on Tojanet, Pararex, Planet Paranormal, Ghost Channel, and beyond. We'll be right back. 
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Beating the bongo drums, bring us back into part two of Ghost Chronicles International with me, your very own Welsh Van Helsing, and over there in the States we have 23 cents. Um, (laughs) Prior to the break, we of course were talking about ghost ships, and I'd like to bring it bang up to date because uh, we don't know what happened to this particular ghost ship. 
which was widely reported both sides of the Atlantic, Except carrying ca- cannibal, cannibal rats, rats oh, heading for Britain. One. So I, I figured that was heading up on your coastline. You mean you don't know what happened to it? It's disappeared again. Um, the ghost Get ship out. carrying can- cannibal rats, it's gone. This 1,400-ton ocean liner has vanished yet again. The uh, Lyubov Orlova, um, which was being towed from Newfoundland to the Dominican Republic, and the tow line broke and it started drifting, and then these rats started devouring each other, apparently, although there was nobody aboard to verify that. Uh, Maybe said so, to I... be uh, and plague infested apparently was said to be headed for the Irish or British west coast and um, it's gone again. They don't know what happened to it, so maybe yeah, it's okay. headed back your. So if anybody has seen this fourteen thousand ton thing full of, they can't plague, find the airplane now. They're going to find that. Well, this thing should be. Well, I mean, this should be floating. Difficult, can it? It should. One would imagine that it would be relatively easy to find a, a big ocean liner, um, but it, 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 you know they lost it for over a year. Um, mm. and then they found it again, headed our way, and now it's gone again. So it might be headed back your way, doubled back on itself. Right, uh, those, those rats, those rody rats. They've learnt to sail. Uh, you know what? This is scary. It could be alien rats. And, alien rats or maybe the aliens have abducted a lot of them but of course i think the most famous we talk about ghost ships but ghost ships traditionally refers to ships that have been abandoned by the crews and of course the most famous of all is the mary celeste Celeste. um which took place in 1872 when it was spotted adrift in portugal uh well yeah you were uh, were you one of the uh, stevedores yeah Uh, her last log entry um was dated 11 days before they found the drifting hulk um, with her cargo of uh, close on 2,000 barrels of alcohol, um, mostly intact. I knew alcohol crew, was involved somewhere. Yeah, the crew were never seen or heard from again. And, of course, you know, from aliens uh, to abductions to the crew all getting drunk on the missing. I think some of the, the alcohol was missing. Um, uh-huh. or, that they, or that they went mad because they'd eaten something uh, that, uh, that had uh, caused them to go mad, something like uh, uh, con- um, contaminated grain. So they all suffered from uh, ergo poisoning, ergotamine poisoning. Really? Uh, the ship was brought back um, and was actually put back into service and uh, was used for another 12 or 13 years, if I remember rightly. Um, eventually, it was intentionally destroyed uh, in an insurance scam in 1885, 86, around that time. Very famous case, the Mary Celeste. It is. It, 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 there have been several movies about it as well. Um, but uh, there, there are others as well. And uh, one of them that I uh, – well, you know about – we talk about ships and, and that you don't – it's interesting we talk about ghost ships, but how about a ghost ship that appears in a desert? Well, that would be a ship of the desert, surely. So it's a ghost of a camel. No, it's a, actually. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, bizarre things happen to those who visit the des- desert, especially those brave enough to venture into it at night. Eerie sounds that grate on your nerves 
indistinguishable voices carried by the wind and strange lights and shadows dance in front of your eyes have been reported. Most frightening are the ghostly images of those who have died. Native American prospectors, quidistadors, whatever they are, soldiers, pioneers, and Vikings. Vikings in the desert. Believe it or not, there have been numerous accounts of Vikings longboat uh, submerged in the desert sands. Within the uh, right well, how the, the, wait a minute the within Vikings the right get how, wait a minute wait a minute this is this is, the, Cali- this is the California desert uh, oh California desert uh, okay okay within its rotten howl lies a fortune of pearls and other valuables several Native American legends support these tales they tell of a long ship with a serpent head and round shields on its side manned by men with blonde hair and blue eyes. Prospectors talk about finding such a vessel, and according to uh, Julian Liber in Myrtle Boats, Myrtle Boats, ha, <laughs> an old man even photographed uh, photographed the ship under the direction of mysterious uh, prospector Myrtle and her husband went to the vessel, but were throttled by earthquake in 1933. Hmm. So what do you think? Could there be a Viking ship in the California desert? I think it's probably about as likely as the National Enquirer's report of a London, uh, red London bus on the dark side of the moon, to be honest with you. Um, I actually <laughs> saw that. I <laughs> or, or, or the uh, U.S. Marine Corps having a space command uh, that protects the human colonies on Mars. It's a true story, though, right? Which was in... It was Which in the paper, was in right? this week. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think I think something. Yes, the Vikings that the Vikings traded uh, very far to the east and into North Africa. So the mm-hmm. the concept of the Vikings uh, at the northern edge of the Sahara Desert would be entirely plausible. But like whether California? they bury a ship there, I don't. In California. Um, Yeah, somebody just said, is there a theory that some deserts were fill, filled with water? Well, that's absolutely the case. Uh, the Gobi Desert being, um, or parts of the Gobi Desert, I should say. Um, and, and we're talking about a race of, a seafaring race from Northern Europe being found in the Californian, presumably the Mojave Desert, um, jewels and treasure. Um, now, mm. the Vikings were... Uh, my ancestors speaking um, because I have blue eyes. Um, now we're only talking about a thousand. You have blind hair too. Well, what little I have left. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we're talking about a thousand years ago with the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings yeah. are within recorded memory. And yeah, but this, yes, this was reported entirely... in 1933. So I mean, it, it's not that. Yeah, I don't old. think they were saying. I, I think they'd gone by then. Well, but, I mean, you know, the, the Vikings almost certainly got from to. It. Well, the Vikings almost certainly got to North America, Vineland, as they called it. Your part of the world. Uh, there are there are archaeological remains that are highly suggestive that the Vikings made it that far, and indeed they put them you know, just off the coast in, uh, in Greenland and uh, Iceland were, were inhabited by the Vikings. It was entirely plausible, America. But what we're talking about is did they then 
how did they then sail from North America to California? Because the Panama, unless they... Northwest Passage. Well, it was icebound. Well, we don't know that. Uh, I think climate scientists could probably tell you it was. Um, yeah, unless, of course, they don't unless, of course, they... Unless, of course, they dug the either they went through the Darien Gap, or or indeed perfected a rudimentary Panama Canal, Ooh. or went the long way round. Yeah, you there see, you they go. could. They see, they could have gone the long way round. We're, we're making yeah, an assumption. Yeah, they could have gone. Yeah, you know, they could have gone off seeking China, missed it, over missed Hawaii by a narrow margin, and come grinding in in um, California. Huh. And there they there they settled. Yeah, you keep breaking up on us, Steve. By the way. Oh, okay. It's but anyways, yeah, I know. So, anyways, uh, we, we we talked about uh, ships that were seen on the ocean and ships that were seen on land, and ghosts associated with them. But how about underwater ghosts? Well, now, there have been a number of ghost investigators who have suggested and have even put forward photographs um, that relating to the Titanic. Mm -hmm. Some people I've seen, uh, I think it was last year, some people have put forward images taken. Uh Uh-oh. That we're losing to show that seem to show human figures. Am I still there, or is Skype yeah, being? Yeah, yeah, you're there now. We lost you for a while, a second there. Uh, I was just going to say that I was just saying that I think was it last year? Some somebody put some pictures up onto the social media yeah. uh, taken by an ROV um, during explorations of the Titanic wreck, mm-hmm. and said that they. There was a possibility that some of the shapes therein were were figures, and didn't one of the ghost hunting TV shows suggest that they should go and do an investigation of Titanic? Yeah, I think that's going to happen. Yeah. Anyways, uh, there are other than the Titanic. You ever hear of the RMS Rome? No. The RMS, which stands for Royal Mail Ship. Uh, Roan was uh, in the uh, British Virgin Islands. It, it actually uh, was thought to be unsinkable. It was uh, had both sail and uh, engine, steam engine power. This was back in uh, 1865, by the way. And in 1867, while refueling off the coast of Great Harbor in the uh, Virgin Islands, uh, in any ways, it ended up in a, to make a story shot, uh, it ended up in a storm and uh, it it actually uh, hit the rocks uh, or the reef. It breached. The waters got into the boilers, and once the boilers got hit, it exploded, broke in half, and uh, sank to the bottom of the ocean. Uh, the interesting thing, that ship was, was actually a rescue ship because there was another ship called the Conway, and it was a passenger ship, and the passengers went from the Conway to the Rome because the Rome was thought to be unsinkable, and they actually uh, lashed the passengers to their bunks uh, to prevent injury, and they died, of course, in that. So right today, it is now a uh, popular diving spot. 
And in uh, 1967, uh, it was turned into a marine park. Uh, guided scuba tours take tourists into the wreck, which is littered with artifacts. Uh, but even underwater, they are not free of the ghosts of their own. Divers have reported being tugged on the shoulder only to find out that they've been alone. And even the most seasoned diver cannot explain the eerie sounds. Screams, groans can be heard beneath 80 feet of water, making the wreck their own, not only a popular diving site in the Caribbean, but also the most haunted. Ooh. Of course, a skeptic would say that sound travels much faster through water, and so it could be something natural. Yeah, like coincidence? Just, coincidence? I think not. Well, once a, once a location gets a reputation, whether it be a wet location or a dry location, it's mm-hmm. got a reputation, hasn't it? And mm-hmm. people will turn up expecting to have an experience, and then every sensation that they have will be blamed on the rather than any natural normal cause. Uh, if you say so. Well, I, mean, well, I don't say. I say so, and lots of other people say so. Have we? Have we? Have we uh, skipped forward onto sea monsters yet? Why are we skipped forward onto sea monsters? I, well, know I don't we know. I, I don't. I, I, we've sort of gone from ships to ghosts to ghost ship. Well, ghost ships. We We're talking about ships in the water. You, would you like to touch on sea monsters, Stephen? Well, well, there are some there are some instances where they are kind of related. Well, and it, kind I of talk, tell me a I story then. Terms, well, I'm I'm speaking in in terms of location because uh, a lot of ghost ships obviously they ply the the main sea lane, Atlantic and the South China Sea mm-hmm. uh, areas, which are the the natural shipping lanes for commerce and trade. But those same shipping lanes, uh, the North Atlantic. Uh, your eastern seaboard, our western coast, mm-hmm. um, and the South China Sea are also where p- most sightings of sea monsters and s- the Great Sea Serpent come from because of the marrow uh, aboard these these vessels, not the ghost ones, because they don't come back and report the sea monsters. Now, there's a. I wonder if anybody on a ghost ship has ever seen a sea monster. Uh, how would you? Mm. <laughs> I'm sure a medium could tell us. Hmm. 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 Of course, the Queen Mary is 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 a ghost ship as well. Well, I think any any account of haunted ships has to include, maybe conclude with the Queen Mary, uh, the most famous haunted ship probably in the world. Do you know the story of the Queen Mary? Which which particular haunted story of the Queen Mary? Because well, many many of the investigations that have taken place on board the ship relate to particularly numbered cabins. And I know, for example, that some of the TV shows that have supposedly uh, investigated the haunted cabin have, in actual fact, investigated the wrong cabin. Uh, there was one really? famous. It, it, people can go and check that fact for themselves. Um, no, this is but, interesting. But the, I think the most famous death, of course, took place in the um, the propeller shaft area, where one engineering, a young engineer was killed by a moving uh, bulkhead. Really? Um, and of course, the, the ship herself was during World War Two um, 
had the perhaps it was presentient nickname of the Grey Ghost because of her grey paint schemes so that she could cross the North Atlantic as a troop ship and indeed on one occasion ran over one of her escorts which resulted in the loss of the escort vessel um, and the, the death of a number of the escort vessel crew which a great has a great number but that, that incident has been picked up on by, by people who are investigating the current um, Queen Mary, uh, which which is based, of course, in Long Beach in California, um, and is a floating hotel recreation uh, facility, um, and one that is is heavily visited and heavily promoted on the fact that it is so haunted. Um, most notoriously, I think, also we have to include the the, the wet footsteps around the pool and the figure of the of the the swimming lady or the I near the swimming pool. Uh, there are different, again, different versions, but the most I'm aware of is is that it's uh, a lady in 1930s or 40s, 50s garb, uh, seen or heard around the pool and pool changing rooms, and that wet footprints, uh, wet foot, uh, footprints are seen uh, around the poolside. Now, what's interesting is that a number of investigators uh, have actually effectively debunked the, the claim of the, the water splashes around the pool. Um, well, how can they debunk it? What they discovered is... They gave the, a possible the, explanation of it. Well, I said, that's why I said they possibly debunked it. They, gave, they discovered that the overflow to the pool, uh, to the, the, the below-deck swimming pool, mm-hmm. um, the, with the motion of the ship, effectively regurgitated water, which splashed back onto the poolside um, and formed puddles and, and drops of water. So it, the side of the pool was indeed wet when nobody had been near it. And that was, that was uh, demonstrated and documented. Now, that doesn't relate to the fact that, that, that footsteps have been seen, although it's also been alleged by some investigators that they've discovered members of the ship's crew uh, the, the ship's current crew to be, should we say, giving the hauntings a little hand along because it's good for publicity. Oh, um, a little nudge, and I think they? they they possibly gave it a little nudge um, and mm. may have been caught doing so. But it doesn't spoil the story. Um, it doesn't spoil people's enjoyment of a story. And um, it's good for business, I guess, for the Queen Mary. It's it's certainly a location uh, I would like to to go visit. Um, it's a location I've seen, but only as we flew out over over the, um, Long Beach. Oh, you didn't do the most haunted thing there. Uh, it was about five thousand feet too far away um, and straight down. No, I mean, did, um, <laughs> didn't most haunted do it? Most haunted do it. it had nothing to do with me. Um, it was only the elite of most haunted went to do. They they actually uh, based themselves on the Queen Mary. For, I think it was for two, maybe two exactly. weeks, maybe longer. Now, what's interesting to my mind is that many of the people who were there on board the Queen Mary uh, as part of that that investigation uh, during mm-hmm. their downtime, I don't think they ever investigated it, except for with the camera. Um, really, I guess had I. Had I had that opportunity, um, I, I don't think you'd have found me, except for meal times, um, because I to be given an opportunity like that would have mm-hmm. been beyond belief. 
And yeah, I mean that's an amazing ship, and uh, that's you know of course one of the great ghost tales. Now this is an interesting. This has to do with with ghost ships, and but it's also related in another manner too. That's why I, I brought up different subjects about the, the the ghost ships, and this one is the HMS Eurydice EU Eurydice. Eurydice. Do you know about? Do you know about this? Uh, no, I know how to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> oh, that's that's better than I do. I can tell you that, Stephen. <laughs> she was a, a twenty-six gun. Uh, I, I, ship. I, I know. Go ahead. No, as I say, I know the, the very bare bones, but I I don't have yeah. the detail. She was a twenty-six gun ship. Uh, she was launched in ships in the navy, uh, but with the event of ironclads in the eighteen sixties, it was deemed obsolete and converted to a training uh, vessel on. A training vessel, and then on November thirteenth, in eighteen seventy-seven, under the command of Captain Haya, uh, it sailed for the West Indies. Three months later, it completed its training tour and headed back to the English Channel, arriving in March eighteen seventy-eight. According to the BBC report, uh, something quite unusual occurred on that same afternoon of the ship's return. The Bishop of Ripon, is that right? R-I-P-O-N? Yep. Ripon. Ripon. Yep, yep. Sir John Cowell, Cowell C-O-W-E-L-L, and, and Sir John McNeil uh, were dining at Windsor. Suddenly, McNeil stood out and cried, Good heavens, why don't they close the gun ports? The reefs are sails. I don't know what that means, but it must be a thing. The reefs, the sails. Hmm. Whatever. Reefing Stun. the sails is when you is when you uh, basically fold them back down again. Ah, uh, okay. So he stands up and yells that. Uh, Stun Carwell asked what he meant. McNeil replied he didn't know, but went on to say that he had a vision. He saw a ship under full sail cruising the English Channel with her gun ports open and being uh, thrashed upon by an enormous squall. Uh, McNeil's vision came true for a very for that at that very moment the HMS whatever it was floundered and yeah. capsized and sank to the bottom of the channel. All but two of her 330 uh, men crew were perished. Um, the inquiry, an inquiry was held and it was found that she capsized because the gun ports were open and it had too much sail. Hmm. Just as uh, McNeil had uh, do you explained, know, do you know that 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 is reminiscent. I, I know it's a docket. I know that I I do know the bare bones of that of that account. There are also, uh, but what you're dealing with there is is a, a death portent, a vision to the living, some event in time or space that is yet to happen. And do you know there are there are hundreds of uh, oh wow. There are hundreds of similar similar accounts, and there are there are visions of people who have died at sea, appearing wet and and soaked and besodden to their mm -hmm. living relatives at the moment and time of their death, uh, a crisis apparition. There are there are some very well documented cases of that within the archives of the Society for Psychical Research, and give a, a compelling case for some aspect of the human personality surviving death. Well, that, that could actually happen. I mean, when you think if, if astral projection is free, then why wouldn't in a moment of crime you would go back and 
and see someone who you loved or anything. I mean, just before you die. But uh, there is a famous one, of course, of uh, I can't think of the name of the battleship, but it was a it was a British battleship that <coughs> uh, was destroyed in the Mediterranean, and it's well reported in uh, in, in England that uh, her son of the woman actually appeared as the same time that the ship went down and he was killed. Uh, but there are many, many, there are, there are many, many, many accounts. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, that was the, uh, the, the doorbell, which means the pizza from the dead is, you know, we got to wrap up. That was a, that was a nice talk. I mean, I love sharing stories with you and, and our listeners. And well, when you come, o- what come over here, it's a point so, out. September, uh, we can spend many a time on the porch. Uh, yeah, because when I come over in September, packed into my hand luggage is your copy of Mysteries of the Sea by J.G. Lockhart, published in 1913, which is what I've been using tonight as well. Really? Yeah. Yeah? Is it autographed? Yeah. What, by J.G. Lockhart? I don't care. He's, de- he's been just dead 100 it. years. Just sign it. <laughs> Oh, speaking about that, <laughs> I, I, I know about 15 seconds left in the show, but you're going to love this. Um, I actually was going to have a, a gentleman on the show who I've had on my shows before. And uh, so I, I call him up and I asked for him and uh, they said, who is this? And I said, this is Ron Cola from Ghost Chronicles. He said he died in uh, 2010. Well, we could like, still have him on the show. Oops. <laughs> via, via the ghost we, box? We could, we could still get him on the show. Via the ghost box? Yeah, be a first. Yeah, I would. Anyways, Stephen, thank you so much, and uh, thank you for our listeners, and tune in next time. For I, another... I, apologize to, I apologize for Skype. Yeah, that's all right. So, good night. Good night. God, God bless. bless. Goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.